When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Today we're debating the ethics of abortion, and we are starting right now with Kenan's opening statement. Thanks so much for being with us, Kenan. The floor is all yours. Okay, so yes, I'm taking the pro-life side of this issue. Um, Here is my opening statement. Uh, My position was formed at the age of 22 and hasn't really changed. Uh, Life begins at conception. Each Each human life is imbued with innate value, and no one has the right to decide whether it should die, unless, of course, there's some exceptional circumstance that I haven't really thought of. All the arguments I've heard in favor of abortion on demand have not convinced me. Um, Each of them could easily be defeated by social or cultural changes. Um, Worse of them is the idea that a newborn baby would suffer because of their living circumstances, as though we could predict this with any degree of accuracy. Again, I'm not satisfied by that argument. Uh, Perhaps the most common argument in defence of abortion on demand is my body, my choice, which is something that you hear protesters chanting in the street. Uh, The idea of a woman's autonomy, and I guess you could make it, call it a private property argument. Regrettably, I'm not much moved by this idea for two reasons in the main. First, only in this matter is that phrase used, my body, my choice. Um, The government, various governments around the world, impose limits on human bodies. There are things that you're not allowed to do to yourself or to anyone else. Um, One could argue, and I would argue, that abortion on demand should be restricted. Um, I'm happy to go into detail a bit later on that one. More tragically, and this is one that will upset any women watching this, I think it implies that a woman would ever have full control over her body and its processes, um, which is nonsense. I think any woman would attest to that. Um, I'm not trying to make light of it, but there are certain biological factors of a woman's life, facts in a woman's life that she has no control over. So um, it is my belief that abortion on demand is another sign that cultures have become cold, callous, materialistic, Uh, Problems are there to be solved, not to be avoided. Uh, Abortion on demand releases all of us from any kind of responsibility. It releases society and the culture at large from any kind of um, social, you know, material provision. And a person dies as a result of the procedure. I'm 
James, that is my opening statement for good or ill. I pass it over to you or to Richard, whoever feels like speaking next. You got it. Thank you very much, Ken, for that opening statement. And want to welcome you folks. If it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we are a neutral channel hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. We hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button as we have many more juicy debates coming up. For example, Daniel Hakikachu and T-Jump will be debating next week on whether or not atheists are skeptically consistent. It'll be a juicy one. You don't want to miss that one. And hit that subscribe button so you don't. With that, thanks so much, Richard. The floor is all yours for your opening statement as well. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you, James, for inviting me again. And thank you, uh, Kenton. Um, I had never been on TikTok until the last few days. So I don't know whether this is a great gift that you have bequeathed me or, or a horrifying curse um, but I, I actually have been on TikTok for the last 48 hours or so, listening to your videos. Um, yeah, have my so sympathy. <laughs> thank you. But you actually, you, you're clearly a very successful TikTok uh, content creator. You, you're making, um, you've made quite a stir over there, at least from what I can tell. So I would congratulate you on that. Um, thank you. I, I think the, the ethics of abortion, uh, I, I will... I will I will admit are rather tricky, and and I think they're tricky because we use reason to determine whether an abortion is ethical or not. And reason, although it it is a magnificent tool, um, it is ultimately limited in its effects, and I, and I think it's ethically limited, and it doesn't always give us um, it, it all. It, it doesn't always. Uh, bring us to the right path. And, and let me try to represent both sides of the argument fairly, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll show where they, they really reach an impasse. Both are based on an idea of individual value of human life, and both are based on a, a basic kind of human rights concept. So from the pro-life side, uh, you have a child in the womb. And whether that is a human being the moment the sperm hits the egg, um, or there is some point in its development where it could be considered uh, a human being, I, I think we would all admit that it is a life form. It's it's a potential for a human life. I would, of course, admit that. Um, and thus, making a decision on this child is making a decision for it and in some way using force. Um, I, I think violence might be overstated, but you understand what I'm saying. Making a um, permanent decision on its behalf that it, for, for which it, it bears no blame, it has no say, it, it just seems profoundly unfair, even if a teenage girl, as we have seen recently in a, in a salacious news story from Ohio, even if a teenage girl were raped, um, that child is innocent in that case. And uh, even though the circumstances are, are unimaginably terrible, uh, he somehow still deserves a chance. That is the pro-life side. Uh, now, the, the pro-choice side Again, using rationality and ethics. Oh no! Is... But you've broken up. You've broken. You've broken up. Have I? Uh, on Kendon's side, you have. I, I like. I've gotten it loud and clear. Kendon, are you, I think one thing. No. That... 
No, 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 no. It's only for the last couple of seconds. Uh, you mentioned uh, something in Ohio. Um, a child was raped, and, and that's where I lost you. So, could you just repeat the last couple of points? Thank you. Sure. Uh, there was a teenage girl in Ohio that this became a, a salacious news story in the United States, particularly because we're debating Roe v. Wade and Hobbes and all that kind of stuff. A teenage girl was raped and she had to actually uh, travel to another state to have an abortion. Um, so she she she's under the worst circumstances imaginable. But even in this case, the pro-lifer would say that child has a right to live. That child did nothing wrong and a choice is being made for that child. Um, I think that's a fair representation of the pro-life side and I, I understand where they are coming from. The pro-choice side uses effectively the same logic and that is why a impasse is reached in these things. Um, a the female has control over her body. She is a sovereign, rational individual, and she can make these choices for herself. Um, if a, uh, I'll just use an example. If a ne'er-do-well friend uh, came to you and asked to stay in your house and you being a generous person said, well, you can stay for the weekend. I'll put you up. I'll buy you some you know, buy some groceries for you, get, you know, make sure that you're all right. And that weekend turned into a week and then a month and then six months and a year. At some point, you would have the sovereign right to kick that person out of your house. And what happened to him after that is really no concern. That is your house and your property. So both of these sides are based on human rights and individualism, and they are both, in a way, equally correct. Um, just log moralistically, logically working these out, we're going to reach this endless impasse uh, as we have in the Western world, because it seems like the only way we can think is in terms of individualistic logic and the and human rights talk. Um, now, one thing that Kendon said that I think was very powerful uh, was this notion of responsibility. Uh, I do think that we have a responsibility to the future. And I think that is the most profound responsibility that any of us have. And, it, and if you want to couch it as a responsibility to the unborn, um, our future inheritors, then that is a reasonable way of discussing it. We have a responsibility to leave them a world that is perhaps better than the one that we live in now. We have a responsibility to not lead them uh, leave them a world uh, that is suffering from environmental devastation, uh, resource depletion, and that is just generally unhappy. They should enjoy the things that we enjoy. They should maybe have more than we have. I think we should also um, leave them, bequeath them a population that is healthier, happier, more beautiful, and more intelligent than the one that we have now. And so we actually have to make hard decisions about our responsibility for the future. 
And these these decisions really can't just be based on this kind of individualism and moral logic that both sides uh, adhere to today. Um, at the at this point, we are in effect breeding for low intelligence. We are breeding for heart disease. We are breeding for obesity. And if the pro-lifers and religious right get their way, we will in effect be breeding for rapists. We have to understand as serious scientifically informed people uh, that so many, uh, so much of our personality, so much of what makes us who we are is heritable. That is, we are a lot like our parents in many ways. Now, of course, you can come up with tons of exceptions and, you know, a, a young boy born in poverty who invents the iPhone or something like that. But these, these are crazy exceptions. Um, on the whole, we are very much like our parents in terms of our personality profiles and how we are going to get on in life. Um, so we owe it to the future to make very tough decisions about what is what the population, the world population is going to be like. People can make these in a rational and moral fashion um, through prenatal testing, um, even in the United States, which which has this you know tradition of religious fanaticism um, born out of our very um, early history. Um, 60% of children who would be born with Down syndrome, uh, those pregnancies are terminated. Now, you can say that that is done because people are cold and callous and selfish and evil, but I don't think that is at all the case. A lot of these are done by people who already have children, who are raising children, who are married, and so on. They are doing that so that we can have a better population in the future. All mating and dating is on some level eugenic. And when it's not eugenic, I think it is generally evil. That is, for your own daughter, you want her to marry a man who's intelligent and handsome and who can make it in life. You don't want your daughter, in effect, marrying, quote unquote, that is breeding with, a rapist or some chud that she, you know, meets at a bar and makes a mistake uh, mistakenly hops into bed with due to alcohol or, or, or just immaturity or something like that. 30 seconds. Left. Um, we all have a eugenic drive to build a better future and that future involves the environment. It involves science and technology, but it also involves the population itself. And so we need to make decisions on that. Most abortions, 75% of abortions that are occurring right now in the United States, according to the Guttmacher Institute, are to people of lower income. And 50% of those people are below the poverty line. I think we owe those people who struggle, who are, who are morons, let's just be frank, who can't really take care of themselves, we owe them this ability to have a life where they're not overburdened with children, they're not treating their children poorly, they're not abusing them, they're not neglecting them. We owe them that chance to have that ability to do that. And I think that is overall a good thing for society and the future. I'll leave it at that. 
Thank you very much for that opening as well, Richard. We're going to jump into the open dialogue, folks. I want to say, though, hey, if you happen to have friends who enjoy controversial debates like this, don't forget to hit that share button, share it to a group thread or something like that, as we have plenty more juicy ones coming up, just like this one, which we're, I'm very excited for this one. Gentlemen, thank you very much. The floor is all yours for that open dialogue. Okay, thank you very much, James. Uh, right, so Richard, yeah, you, um, you, your opening statement was a, a lot more, a lot longer and more detailed than mine. So I've been trying to scribble down notes, and I'm going to try and deconstruct as much as I can without just waffling on and losing thread. Um, yeah, so well, I agree with you in the uh, initial argument. You said that obviously relying on reason is tricky because reason is indeed limited and people often confuse logic with reason you know you know my cat has four legs my chair has four legs therefore my cat is a chair which is perfectly reasonable but also stupid and wrong so yeah there is a limited we also have an emotional life uh, that people don't really factor into these things there is an emotional response to pregnancy there's an emotional response to abortion and we're not robots we're not vulcans we do actually have an emotional sense that you, you have needs to be considered to things that are unreasonable mm -hmm. You could say yes, absolutely. You you, well, you will one, absolutely one could... sacrifice yourself for your child, for instance. That that well, is kind of I mean, irrational on some level. Well, one could go one step further and suggest that all emotional connections are irrational by definition. They're not, they're they're meant to circumvent all higher brain function, including you know risking your life to save a child or you know, anything like that. Um, you are right as well. My my entire philosophy is effectively based on uh, individualism, which is of course a human rights concept. It's only been with us since 1948, if you think about it. Um, yes, it is a permanent decision visited on a child. Um, I believe the child in the womb is indeed innocent and should be given some kind of chance. Uh, just touching on the uh, the Ohio girls scandal. Yes, uh, you're right. Um, I've said this in previous debates on this topic, um, on modern day debate, in fact, that when it comes to the issue of rape, I'm something of a coward uh, because I couldn't look a victim of rape in the eye and say, tough, you have to bear the child. I couldn't do that. And because I don't have the strength of will to do that, that would be I'd turn a blind eye, which is morally inconsistent, but at least at least I'm honest about the inconsistency. Um, the the yeah, I mean the the thing is that the, the phrase that really struck me uh, initially in your answer was evicting a tenant. Now I don't like this analogy. Um, the idea that you know if someone comes around your house and stays for the weekend, you buy groceries. That's great. Um, but then obviously if they overstay their welcome, you get to kick them out. Ultimately, if they have nowhere else to go, you are responsible for their homelessness to a certain degree. But more importantly, if someone is to be evicted from your property, we do have social institutions and customs, I suppose you could use that word, to uh, look after the life of someone who is homeless. Of course, if you yes. evict the tenant of a womb, the, the tenant is dead. There's no, there's no way you can't, they can't survive outside the womb unless they're... Um, medically viable they could still be premature but even then it's still a risky business so you're still responsible for the death of something we have no means of keeping a baby alive outside of you maybe sometime in sometime in the future we will have such technology but at the moment if you evict a baby it dies and that's pretty much how that works um Yes, I mean, individualism is limited. We do have a collective uh, social responsibility to the future. And you used um, the example of uh, creating a better world for our descendants. Um, the question, the obvious question that I would ask is, how does one define better? And the trouble is, is that because I'm not a collectivist and I'm not an authoritarian, I'm not entirely sure that one size would fit all, even in uh, with regard to national culture. I think most you, you are right to some degree, although I'm not comfortable with the word eugenics because of its 
obvious connota- historical connotations, we are to a certain extent, uh, certain extent, selective in our breeding partners. You know, we want people with certain physical traits, certain mental traits, maybe certain um, hobbies and interests, even which indicate greater characteristics. Um, so, yeah, to a certain extent, it is eugenicist, but there ought to be a limit. I reckon um, the, there's there, there's no mathematical seconds. precision to this. It's entirely personal. So, yeah, better future on a local level for individual families, maybe. But as a nation state, no, I don't think it's manageable realistically. Um, there's also the idea of, you know, because you said, um, you said the, the phrase you used here, we're breeding for low intelligence, heart disease and obesity. Are, okay, are we, are we actually breeding for those or are they just an inevitable consequence of sort of random genetic pairing? There's also a We thing are here, breeding uh, for we, them effectively. Well, okay. Well, we can pick up on that. I've only got like ten seconds now. Uh, you talk about relying on science uh, to, you know, select against uh, things like Down syndrome and that. But surely, relying on science contradicts your opening statement because science relies upon reason. I don't know. Anyway, I wanted to go deeper into that, but I'm running out of time. So, I, I think James wants me to stop talking now. So I will. We'll, we'll kick it right back over to you. Okay. Uh, w- would you like me to respond, or could you give me maybe a direct question? Um, uh, yeah, that would really help. Because you did about kind of yeah. four or five things there. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, oh, yeah, I just I think got that... one. What, how okay, do we good. determine what's good, basically? Um, I, I think these things are kind of less controversial than you make them. Um, intelligence is valued in all cultures across all societies. Um, I, I think sometimes you don't, I, I, I might want to quote Stephen Colbert here, who, um, when he was uh, uh, giving a, um, a, a monologue before George W. Bush, he kind of played up that Bushism and uh, said, you know, there, there are more uh, neurons in your gut than there are in your brain. So uh, that's not exactly <laughs> true, but don't look it up in your brain, look it up in your gut. He said a joke to some something to that effect, I, I find very uh, interesting. But I, I think he's kind of right in a way. Um, we we have a, a natural attraction to things that are beautiful and dynamic and intelligent. I don't I don't think it's very controversial. Um, what is beauty and what is um, uh, athleticism? What is strong and what is weak? What is healthy and what is sick? You know it when you see it. Um, and so the, I, I think there's oftentimes this kind of moral blackmail or something of, you know, who decides, you know, kind of things. Well, yes, leaders of society will make decisions on these matters, but what actually is better and healthier and more beautiful is, is not actually terribly controversial. I think most normal people have a very strong sense of what kind of children we want in the future. And even yourself, I, I applaud your honesty and I, I of course, are, are, are totally on your side. Um, a vile criminal rapist, not, not just a your average rapist, which is bad enough, but someone who raped a child, you yeah. can't look at the woman in the face and say, your baby is innocent. And I think you know that that baby isn't innocent at the end of the day. That baby is half of that criminal. And due to the obvious 
something we've known, uh, put, put aside Darwin or genetics or something like that. We've known this since the ancient world, if not the world of the caveman. Um, the heritability of characteristics. You are like your parents. That child isn't innocent. That child is a rapist on some level. And uh, again, uh, it's kind of tough stuff to say those kinds of things, but we all know that it's true and it's real and you have to make those decisions. You have to be cruel only to be kind. And I think the responsibility we have, again, to the future should outweigh the responsibility that we have to ourselves, in fact. That's how kind of radical I am about it. I think we should, that we have to say, be willing to say no to people. I don't care if people have a human right to consume whatever they want to. If I were in charge, I would tell them no. I would tell them no to continuing to pollute the environment, to continue to consume at out of control levels, to continue to want it all. At some point you say no to people because we have a responsibility to the future, which I, I think outweighs our responsibility to ourselves. It certainly outweighs the responsibility um, uh, you know, that, you, that you have to an embryo of a, a criminal. Okay. Well, the problem with that, I would suggest, is that the, the trouble with law is that, and I, I'm not a legal scholar by any stretch, but as far as I can understand it, law must restrict the enforcers as well as its subjects. There are some things that we should not allow states to do. As someone who is not authoritarian on pretty much any level, I'm rather libertarian in my politics, um, I'm not comfortable with states making those kind of intrusive uh, decisions on private lives. I recognise that there is a downside to this because people will make stupid choices and might suffer because of them. However, that is the price that one pays for sort of not even individual freedom but freedom of families or local communities to commune and, and to live by their own on their own terms the um the idea that the child oh, or, or i don't want to interrupt your thought i don't want to interrupt well, your well, well let me let me just make this next point okay, and then okay. feel free I'm to sorry. jump in right mm -hmm. the idea that the child of a rapist is not innocent because it is a rapist on some level is incredibly dubious because there isn't actually as far as I know, any evidence to prove the assertion that the compulsion to commit sexual violence is genetically born in the sense that, yes, we do have men who go out and do these things. Yes, they have an urge to do it. Yes, they are sexual psychopaths. They don't care about the mental state of their victims. They couldn't give a monkeys about that. Um, but that the idea that you are you know, programmed to rape from birth is as far as I know, fanciful. I would love to read any kind of peer-reviewed medical study or genetic study, I should say, that could confirm such a thing because criminality, yes, there are bad seeds born in the world. I mean, I used to, for those, for, you don't know, probably don't know this, Richard, but I used to be a high school teacher and we used to say informally, <laughs> never on paperwork, that there were three types of troublesome child. They were mad, bad and sad, right? They were the ones that had mental mm. illnesses of various kinds or they were autistic. There was something, they, they, weren't, they weren't neurotypical. There were the sad ones who were depressed or they were going through personal trauma or something like that. But you do get bad kids. And I used to teach, I can think of two children off the top of my head who in the modern world would have been diagnosed with um, AS, uh, what's it called? ASP. 
NSPD, antisocial personality disorder, which is what they now right. what they used to call psychopathy. They were genuine teenage psychopaths, and I'll and I'll I would swear in front of a, ju- a jury that that was what they were. They had no conscience. They had no moral moral code at all. They were very good at following rules, but breaking it when it's breaking them when it suited them. So yeah, there right. are kids that are born wicked. That those those children exist, but the idea that every single rapist is genetically programmed to commit sexual violence, I, I mean that's spurious. I, I don't. I can't. I can't agree with that at all. Psychopathy yeah, you, you, is heritable. It's highly heritable. Psycho, psycho, psychopathy is indeed, but the idea that criminality in general is inheritable is, um, it was, as far as I'm aware, nonsense. I mean, you know, feel free to educate me if you've got something that I don't know. Feel free to you know throw it in. Well, I if mean, the I'm personality just... trait that leads you to do this, it's highly heritable. Um, then, I mean, then then it is what it is. I mean, I, I don't think we should confuse like the crime itself with the personality type that will commit that crime. It would almost be saying like car theft is heritable, but murder isn't or something. But both of those are just the, the actual act. Um, what we're looking at is the the personality of the person who does that. And, and, and psychopathy combined with low intelligence is... Um, a, a terrifying thing to behold. I don't want my children in an environment uh, that includes those people. Let me go back really quickly to something sure. philosophical, sure. which is that you said, you know, the whole idea of law is that it applies to everyone, more or less, right? No, I, I no, the phrase I think I used was uh, law must restrict the enforcers as well as its subjects. So I, okay. just as the sub, just as just as the common the common citizen is not allowed to do things, so should the state not be allowed to do things. And one of the things that I maintain is that because, as I say, I'm not authoritarian on any level. Uh-huh. When it comes to the private lives of citizens, the state should keep out. I have no, in, you know, I don't believe that state it's, any national governments should pass laws, say, um, forbidding, uh, say, say, for example, you're schizophrenic and you find a lovely lady and, you know, you're settling down and you're taking your medication. You're not a danger. You're more a danger to yourself than anybody else. I don't believe that governments should pass laws forbidding you from breeding with the love of your life, for example. I don't think that kind of level of intrusion is is creepy, uh, if I mean, <laughs> for want of a better adjective. Um, I, I dare say you take a different view on this, but no. I, right. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, l- l- let me think about this. Um, or l- let's think about this. Uh, a the person who creates the law fundamentally has to break the law, and you have to break the law in order to create the law. And no, the law does not apply to you. So there, there is a basic level of hypocrisy. When the United States, you seem to be kind of Americanized a bit in your notion of of you know the 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 wonderful of these pure laws that should apply to everyone and no one's above or below them um again we had to we americans had to break the law and actually be traitors to our rightful government in order to say such obvious nonsense well you know i might yeah I, who knows which side i would have taken if i were alive at the time but yeah i i get it i'm glad we all get along now uh, but the, the law doesn't apply to the government. The government can go to war. The government can arrest you, that is, engage in kidnapping. Uh, the government can do all sorts of things that private individuals cannot. Um, a private individual cannot go to war in, in a way. The government absolutely can. That's one of its most 
primary basic functions is the use of violence. So law just simply does not apply to all. You have to take a bigger picture approach of there. We have enemies in the world. We have to confront the enemies. They don't have the enemy doesn't have any rights. Um, you, you know, your law is only worthwhile so long as you can maintain your territorial integrity and fight off outsiders. Uh, so it just doesn't, it, it, the law like that, this, this kind of, you know, beautiful kind of liberal conception only exists within a particular realm. And that realm is always in the shadow of the state. And the state is an instrument of violence and oppression and domination and attack on one's enemies. And I don't say that as some kind of leftist. I think that's, uh, it's not even a right wing or a left wing thing. It's just an existential aspect. We have enemies in the world and you have to confront them and maybe destroy them. Um, So the law is not universal. The law only exists within a specific domain, a private sphere. Uh, So the law does not apply to the state. There is a basic hypocrisy. So it's just, it's nice to say these things, but in the real world, it is, it, it, it's just not applicable. Um, and in terms of, oh, well, if you want to respond to that, you can. I'll, I'll yeah, yeah, I, I do. I'm even um, more authoritarian. I, I, no, 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 seriously, I mean, I, this is a, I, I, if I may be bold, Richard, this is, a, I think, a genuine misconception on your part. Um, laws do indeed apply, apply to the state, um, provided you can catch them breaking it. Like, for example, police officers, if they're enforcing the law, can arrest someone. You are indeed correct that a citizen in general life uh, can't arrest people. However, we do have something called citizen's arrest in the UK, whereby you could detain someone if they're committing a criminal act, if you've already informed the police that they're they're doing something wrong. So, like, you can. There was a famous example of a of a British actor who saw a man mugging a woman who's nicking a mm-hmm. handbag and running down the street. And this man sat on the crook. He managed to wrestle the robber to the ground and sat on his back to keep him on the ground, waiting for the police to turn up. So in that context, he was effectively arresting a private citizen, but it was a citizen's yeah. arrest. It's a, it's very, it's a nuance. We have very yeah, similar laws in yeah. the United States. It's, it's a completely yeah. reasonable thing. Yeah. But in, in other words, but also if a law, if a policeman arrests a suspect, arrests someone, and in an illegal fashion, because there are laws restricting the act of arrest, those police officers can be prosecuted or disciplined or whatever, you know, depending on the circumstance. So laws do indeed do indeed apply to people, even when you took you mentioned war. Governments do indeed declare war on people. Um, sometimes you have to because they're a threat to your, you know, because nation states have the right to defend themselves. But they can't just def- invade people willy-nilly, at least without criticism. Yes, we're going to mention the Second Gulf War at some point. That's going to happen. But, like, for example, look at look, we're drifting away from the pro-life, pro-choice thing. But the well, current but Russian these are inv- ethical questions, yeah. But the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the reason why Russia is currently under sanction is because it declared war on Ukraine but without just cause. Therefore, it is an illegal incursion into the sovereign territory of another country. So, yeah, the idea that laws don't apply to states is is clearly false. It does apply. It applies to everybody. It may apply in different contexts in different ways, but everyone is supposed to be limited by what's scribbled on bits of paper or fired up on the kept on the internet now however they write these laws down so yeah it's not like private citizens must do what they're told and the state does what it likes that's that's not how the world works as far as i can tell well you you need to distinguish between say justifications or ways of legitimizing something 
and uh, the real world action. Um, the fact is, the United States invaded Iraq, and the consequences. Boo his. What? I said boo his. Sorry, I was never right, a supporter I, I, of it. Carry yeah, on. I, I opposed that war as well. Uh, but the consequences it faced were were kind of pragmatic ones. It, it was a completely stupid uh, campaign, ill-conceived. Uh, and so it faces consequences. If Russia is going to face sanctions, it is because there is a world community based on states, a world community that's more or less based in uh, post-1944. That is, it was created by the winning powers of the Second World War so that they could enforce their rules on other states, weaker states. Uh, that It just is what it is. It's not like God you know, enacted sanctions on Russia because he broke some moral law. Uh, it is basically other states who are in a stronger position sanctioning a state. And as you've yourself admitted, given them the, themselves the power of the exception, America can, you know, bomb a Iranian general at will and not even consider it an act of war. America can invade Iraq um, and uh, and basically say, well, it turned out really bad, but, you know, we had the best intentions. I mean, come on. Um, we can do that um, because of history, because we're able to engage in that action. We're a stronger force. So it, it's not like we're actually beholden to law. We simply use law as a justification for in our quest for power. But anyway, these are other issues. But um, the, the major thing is that, I, you know, I, I'm not just a brutalist person who thinks you can just, you know, you, the baby's in your tummy, you're in control, just get rid of it. Uh, America, we're badass, you know, uh, what America, fuck yeah, we do whatever we want, who cares? No, like I, you have to recognize the kind of inherent irrationality to the world, the inherent amorality to existence. Once you're conscious of that, then you can actually start to make decisions based on responsibility. So I actually do want the world to be a better place. I think that conflict, I mean, we're kind of talking geopolitics here, but you know, bear with me. It's interesting. I think conflict is an natural and it's always going to be there, but I don't want conflict for conflict's sake or, or to promote it. I actually think that we can live in a, a civilized place that you can you can kind of glimpse in the best of what we see in European society at, at this point. That is a a a world that functions um, where street level violence is um, is is not overwhelming, uh, where we don't have to throw a huge amount of our population in prison. I think we actually can live in a kind of idealistic version of Sweden if we're able to make tough decisions about what kind of population we want on this planet and what kind of world we want to see. So we kind of graduate from that kind of easy morality of individualism and, you know, personal responsibility and all that kind of thing. And we think about collective responsibility on a, on a planetary scale, what, what we want to see. Um, we want to see a world that's more intelligent and beautiful and more functional and, and healthy. Um, and we can actually, we have the power to make those decisions. We make all sorts of, the government makes all seconds. sorts of terrible, 
Sure, I'll, I'll finish up right now. The government makes all sorts of just terrible decisions like invading Iraq or throwing money at, at cockamamie schemes and, and all sorts of things. Why can't we use that power? We, we, we can kind of advance morally and use that power to building a better world. Okay. Um, right, well, this is the thing. I mean, I... I, again, you, you probably don't know this because, again, you've probably watched only about four or five of my TikTok videos, but I used to, um, I'm fairly well-traveled. I used to work in the Middle East. I've, I used to work in Australia, New Zealand. I've, I've, I spent a month backpacking in Vietnam randomly, you know, things like this. So I've seen a bit of the, more of the planet than most of the people I've, I, 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 of my generation. I've been blessed. I didn't deserve a lot of these opportunities, but I exploited them anyway because, you know, they were there. And it strikes me that the most successful cultures I've ever been to the cultures that I am most fond of, and again, it's entirely personal and subjective, so you might, I dare say you would object to this, always have some kind of neb, some sort of abstract philosophical ideal that they hold above themselves and that they work towards. They are not naive about the state of the world. They know that nature is anarchic and amoral they know that governments make pragmatic decisions because you have to compromise isn't weakness compromise is just being a mature adult and recognizing that you can't get everything you want the only people who believe that are toddlers and psychopaths and well to be honest toddlers are psychopaths but that's a different conversation no the point i'm making is is that there, there is always there is always like a, a higher ideal and you will always fall short of it but the the point is that you have to aim for it and you have to aim for it. And the the idea, my conception of it is that it imposes limits on the self and it imposes right. limits on the group and all the rest of it. So while, yes, you have to make pragmatic decisions, if you make pragmatic decisions without these principles or values in mind, you can end up some down some very dark alleyways and it's, it ends in disaster. And so I, I would suggest that because I believe that all life has innate value, I believe that life begins at conception. I don't, because there's no link as far as I am concerned, as based on what I've read, based on my experience as a teacher, et cetera, there's no link between intelligence and decency. Some of the nicest people I've ever met were as thick as a whale omelette, and some of the sharpest minds I've ever encountered belong to total bastards. So the idea is, you know, the idea that social responsibility or so and um, prosperity and high IQ, that's a very tenuous link um these are i mean okay if you have a, a physical vision of a future where everybody kind of looks the, has the same sort of physical facial proportions where certain diseases are eradicated on a genetic level if you think you can achieve that then yeah okay that's what you would aspire to i don't believe in that i just want to live in a world my ideal future is one where despite physical or mental disabilities despite one's ugliness or lack of beauty however you want to phrase it that there is a kindness and a compassion and that everybody sort of gets along together because yeah you talk about you mentioned sweden an ideal version of sweden sweden isn't exterminating people with mental illnesses Sweden isn't exterminating its criminal population or breeding out the criminal element from its from its population. Um, they are they they have made adjustments, of course. They do have prison a prison system and all the rest of it. And yes, Sweden is a successful country, but not because they've taken this sort of radical 
eugenicist route. I mean, I, I, you want to come back on this, I know. So I'd be mean, feel free to respond. Sweden is is eliminating eighty to ninety percent of um, fetuses with Down syndrome. I mean, that that's just an example of the degree to which they they actually are taking these measures. So is the United States, although to a to a lesser degree, due to our kind of uh, religious fanaticism uh, upbringing, you could say. Right. Early years, but this is. Are these which, things which leads to, are, are, aren't these things kind of connected on several on, on on some level like the however attenuated they are the eugenics programs that do exist in these countries and and then just you custom if you want to use that that term um mm-hmm. that is eugenic these things still exist in the world and they still can yeah. have a positive effect and and it seems like as we degenerate as a society, we seem to be kind of getting away from those things that really made us who we are. We're not crazed cavemen. We're not, you know, out of control, violent, vulgar people from thousands of years ago. We, we actually did kind of bring ourselves up to a higher level of humanity through will on some level. And why we want to get rid of that type of inheritance is beyond me. I, I think we the, the possibilities of what we can do with the human population going forward are, are just tremendous and immense. Uh, the possibilities of what we can do with technology if we, again, stand outside of it and attempt a conscious evolution of technology um, is again tremendous and and could uh, fill every person with hope. And yet again, we want to just go back towards notions of either kind of individual rights or human rights or something like that. Or I would say, you know, if I if there's some kind of philosophy out there that's rather uh, dark and so on, um, it is this just degenerating um egalitarian uh vision that i see from uh pro-lifers and catholics in particular of this notion that you know oh that every every all lives matter or you know every human being some you know wonderful uh wonderful thing and that you know the the children of rapists need to be born the more children the merrier we need to fill up the entire planet um with a a bunch of totally incompetent um human beings who you know want to have it all and consume well beyond their limits and um you know e- even the the most vile murderer rapist kind of has value at some level i mean i i find some people find that it's it's tantalizing in a kind of sentimental fashion, but the ultimate world that these Christians are promoting is is not 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 just dissociated from reality, but I, I think is actually extremely dark and terrifying. I think most people who are are good people, uh, that is, they they have a sense of ethics and morality. They want a different world than that. They don't want to overpopulate the planet and destroy the environment and allow, you know, every criminal 
uh, to breed at random, to allow every like moron to knock up some chick in Texas. And then, uh, you know, got her, got her on the hook. Now we, you know, now she's going to have all my children. No one wants that kind of world. Real sen- sensible people, sensible people who have intellect, uh, who have a, a, a sense of morality. They don't want that kind of world. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think the, the pro-life movement, the vision of the future that it has strikes me as just extremely hopeless and dark and without any even understanding of responsibility. Do we, do we really, I mean, you know, populations decline pretty naturally uh, due to modernization, but I mean, do we really want to just overrun the natural world with human beings? I mean, do we, do we really, I mean, can we at least take seriously the fact that there is a caring capacity to this planet and beyond that, that there's a value in the natural world, a value that should actually surpass just mere human life. That is that the, the natural world itself is beautiful, itself is worthy of protection, that we want wide open spaces and, and beauty. That that is that is more important than saving every possible human life on the planet, knowing that so many of these people are going to be just surplus consumers. You know, we we need to have a. I I actually think we humanity needs a a before we can make positive decisions involving technology and politics and society. There there really does have to be a moral revolution that we undergo and this current individualist morality is is leading us someplace very dark okay right okay well um, i'm trying to write rewind the tape and play it back at half speed to make sure i've got all your points right so if i miss anything that is entirely my fault but let's go back to the beginning um you talk about the fact that sweden is um wiping out its uh, down syndrome population this is also true in um the uk and i'm guessing it's true the united states in fact it was because i was a I was part of my teacher training. I went to a special educational needs school, what you would call a special needs school, like the kids who ride the short bus, those people. And I was went to a special school for those children. And these are children with like low functioning autism, all sorts of horrible things. And um, the deputy head teacher was taking me on a tour of the building. And uh, he said to me, you know, this is talking about the nature of the pop, the cohort in the school. And he said, of course, we don't get many kids with Down syndrome anymore. And I went, oh, OK. Um, why is that then? And he goes, well, there are two reasons. One, mainstream schools are better at integrating Down syndrome kids. And I thought, oh, OK, that's fine. And the second is, is that the parents just abort them. Yeah. And this answer haunted me. This answer that just abort them, just get rid of them, haunted me. And that, to be honest, was the trigger event for my sort of like pro-life position. Um, getting rid of Down syndrome t- children to use that as an example, doesn't actually make your culture more socially responsible, doesn't reduce the rate of criminality, doesn't actually do anything constructive other than um, means you don't have to spend any resources on their education and healthcare, for example. That's what you save. But in terms of you know social cohesion and things like that, it doesn't really do, do much. Um, you... Let's jump forward. I've forgotten what the middle bit was, which is not helpful. But the last bit you mentioned was about the natural world. Uh, you said you don't want to create a future of just, uh, you know, um, infinite morons consuming irresponsibly. Uh, yeah. you, you want these wide open spaces and things like that. 
so do I. I would like that. That seems, seems great. Um, the problem with the, the idea of overpopulation, which is there's an anti-natalist quality to the environmental movement, which I find really disturbing. But the, the idea of overpopulation is kind of misframed because overpopulation isn't a general like planetary problem. Overpopulation is only a problem in population centres. So, for example, you could argue that London is overpopulated, New York is overpopulated, Los Angeles is definitely overpopulated. It's incapable of sustaining human life. Um, the, the, you know, it, it wasn't designed to. It's just a mass of highways and skyscrapers, as far as I can figure out. So, overpopulation is a problem where population is concentrated because it, resources are diverted, and there's all sorts of like you know human effluent in the water supply and um, the farm culture is a nightmare. Industrial farming is, is a horror. One of the reasons I became a vegetarian is because I object to factory farming. I think it's a disaster for the planet. Again, we're moving away from the abortion topic, but there, there's this idea. So we are irresponsible consumers. And I do believe that we should live more um, responsibly and equally. Is that the right adverb? Can't remember. We should live live in harmony with the natural world around us more than we do, because we effectively, as a species, rape the planet and drain it dry of any natural resources. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is perfectly reasonable. I support the use of um, uh, use of like avoid, avoiding avoiding fossil fuels, for example, because I know that 50, 60 years down the line, we're going to turn this entire rock into a smoggy dump. It's, it's going to happen at some point. But again, I don't under, I don't see. I mean, you could, for example, you could change zoning laws and allow people to move out of the cities. You can change um, the way people consume food. You can uh, incentivize companies to recycle or to be to use natural resources more responsibly. There are all sorts of things you can do to preserve the natural environment that have nothing to do with killing unborn children. And that's all my ultimate my ultimate argument i think when it comes to this topic is because i don't believe in uh, the genetic perfection of humanity i don't i don't see that as my that's not my i don't i'm not a utopian i don't have those kind of visions abortion on demand to me seems unnecessary when there are so many other things that we as a, i mean you're obviously an american i'm british there are so many other things we could do as national cultures as nation states maybe working in collaboration with each other that have nothing to do with policing you know genetic lines that have nothing to do with exterminating unborn life uh, that have nothing to do with perfecting the human species because i don't believe that human beings are fundamentally perfectible there is no ideal human being that you that one will achieve it doesn't exist it's entirely a, a mental construct so yeah by all means be responsible with the environment etc cetera, etc cetera, still doesn't justify abortion on demand that would be my um my final argument or final line on that. Okay, let me, let me focus on. I mean, I, I, you're of course correct when you're talking about you know a, a city like Los Angeles being a a, a kind of hellscape that can't sustain human life. I mean, that's uh, overstated, it's, perhaps, but I get your point. Um, so I wonder they're shooting each other. Uh, okay. Right. Um. Uh, uh, but it's not just a matter of urban centers although i i of course don't deny those problems it really is a matter of population there is a plastic heap the size of australia in the ocean right now due to the consumption not just in los angeles but across the planet um the notion of 
all people on the world uh, in the world living in a an american or, or or british lifestyle in terms of consumption is just radically unsustainable we don't have anywhere approaching the kind of resources to sustain that i agree um, and well you know how are we going to deal with that reality outside of uh, planning the population on some level. I mean, it, it, it's because I, and I, and I think this whole kind of like natalism thing really needs to be, um, you know, taken seriously. So one interesting thing about abortions um, over the past 30 years is at least in the United States, and I can't quite speak for all their countries, but I imagine they fit the same uh, trend is that uh, abortions are actually declining and sex is in fact declining. Um, pretty tremendously. Uh, millennials and Gen Z are having a lot less sex than my Gen X generation did at their age, than the boomers did at their age, even the traditionalist or silent generation did at their age. Um, so there are actually really terrible things happening. And I, 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 I guess I wouldn't fully blame the platform that you've achieved success on, but TikTok. Uh, you can blame lots of things, but I, I, I do think that social media and and TikTok have not helped, uh, let's say, in people um, touching grass, as they say, or or looking at someone in their eyes and not just tweeting at them uh, or texting them or something like that. I, I think there are there are a lot of factors uh, at play that have kind of disconnected us from human connection and and uh, the natural world. So. Uh, we're going through a fertility crisis. Um, sex itself is actually declining. People have all sorts of sexual identities. They're not actually engaging in sex. It's a remarkable contradiction. Now, fertility generally declines um, when women are modernized to some degree, when child mortality goes down due to medical advances, when they have a chance to get educated or at least get literate. Um, maybe have a career of some kind when they they're kind of pulled out of just the the village and the tribe and they're they're exposed to the natural world um, to some degree. So we are going to go through a population decline, um, whether we like it or not. And one remarkable thing is that fertility is actually declining even faster in the third world as they are being modernized than it declined in, say, the United States across the 19th and 20th century. So populations are collapsing in this way. And I don't, again, I think there are a whole host of causes for this, but there are these natalist movements that want to just kind of protect the world as it is, you know, oh, we need the welfare state can't be sustained or can, can I, you know, I, I think Elon Musk is in these Silicon Valley con artists. I mean, Elon Musk is probably the biggest fraud on the planet, but um, all of these con artists in Silicon Valley, they just want more bodies to tweet more, basically. Or, or to, you know, we need more users. We need a user base. So let's just pump out, you know, we need to expand this horrifying postmodern hell around the planet so we can find more users. And we need the current people in this prison to have more babies so that we can, you know, create the social network of the 22nd century. That they want to maintain the world as it is. And so their response 
to the lack of the the fertility crisis, if you want to call it that, depopulation that will be headed, we will be experiencing in the 21st century, is just stop it, do something, and make abortion outlaw abortion. Um, you know, let let's let's start you know, encouraging people to have more children. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. What we're doing is the problem. And we, I mean, I, I think we might actually agree on this. Um, I, I, I think we need a fundamental reorientation of the world. Um, and we need to recognize really serious mistakes that we made in the 20th century. But depopulation is whether it's it's coming from just modernization itself or whether there's an almost instinct, a kind of nihilistic urge among the world population to not have children. What whatever it is, this is happening. And this will kind of give us a chance to solve a lot of these problems, to not make the same mistake twice, to not create the kind of increasing hellscape that we've created now. So I don't think depopulation of the planet, it's happening whether we like it or not. We reached 8 billion people the other day on the planet. Um, we're going to be headed back towards 7 and 6 and 5 pretty shortly due to uh, demographic pyramids in the first world and in the third world. And we need to, that is not a, a problem in itself. And, and I think it's actually going to give us a kind of second chance to build a technological society, but one that is in, in some ways pro-human, um, that we're not going to be kind of descending into this nihilistic void that we descended before. I'm sorry, I'm kind of speechifying here and I'm saying these big concepts. Um, uh, I'm kind of moving no, no, I'm happy, debate, I'm happy that's to my tendency. I like to have a good, uh, you know, good discussion. No, 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 absolutely. No, no, I'm, I'm happy to respond to the points you've made. I'll give you a chance to respond yeah. uh, and then uh, we'll go into sure. the pretty quick. Well, um, Richard is indeed correct in the sense that consumer capitalism has basically um, consumed or absorbed all of our lives. Um, consumer capitalism, admittedly, was an American invention, but I won't hold Richard to blame for that. Um, it wasn't his idea. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the idea of just mindless consumption, mindless purchasing, um, the idea of like fast, things like fast fashion, you know, the idea that you've got these mills in Central Asia pumping out cheap clothes uh, that yeah. people wear twice and throw away. This is the unsustainable thing we're talking about. So there is uh, an environmental drain. And in many respects, the population boom that has occurred since the since the Second World War is a product of consumer capitalist society, because, of course, as people were able to earn more money, buy bigger houses, buy more stuff to sustain larger families, they were able to breed more and therefore have larger. So maybe the population decline is just an inevitable fact of being you know, part of the animal cycle of being a human being on this planet, because consumer capitalism isn't sustainable. And you'll find people from all political fields, like I'm the member of the British Conservative Party, liberals agree, the Green Party agrees, left or right, it's not even a it's not even a partisan issue anymore. It's a recognition that the current economic model, uh, the, 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 the way our cultures and our economies run isn't sustainable, it's going to die, and then we're just going to have to manage the downfall. We're not, it, it, we can't, the, the um, what's the phrase, mindless growth 
is not mm-hmm. going to happen because again, you're inev- inevitably you're going to run out of stuff to make and people to buy the stuff. And you might have heard that in Britain we're going through a cost of living crisis. Well, you know, bills are shooting up. People can't. People are deciding which meals they eat in a day, and that's actually quite alarmingly common. There's like a couple of million people who are in this camp. So yeah, everything is going to decline like that. So yeah, populations may well decline. Um, the idea though that we should seize the opportunity to police the genome, the, the, you know, the wider human genome. I can't, I can't support realistically um, because again, I don't think it's going to work. I don't believe in the genetic, as we've already established, I don't believe in the genetic origin of uh, certain antisocial behaviours. I don't think that you can, you know, just because someone is physically beautiful, they might be ugly on the inside. I'm one of those people. Maybe it is sentimental. You've used that That's word before. But, yeah. What's that? Sorry. Okay. That's impossible. That never happens. Okay. Do you believe that? Do you do you think that athleticism is a is a heritable trait? Do you think that if you tried to be a a the greatest Olympic diver, you just you just you watch the Olympics as a kid, and you're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a diver, even if you just dedicated your life. You woke up at five a.m. practice diving. Um, you 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 eat, slept, diving your your entire youth. Do you think you could be an Olympic diver? Well, I don't know, I, and I'm not trying to well, insult I miss, uh, you here, but I, I'm no, kind no, of asking a rhetorical no. question. No, I don't. I mean, I, do, I honestly don't know. I mean, I um, being okay. a Olympic diver, I've got a pretty, pretty high lung capacity. I was never good at sport at school, to be fair. Um, okay. But I mean, I, I don't know because I, I, it's, it's one of those impossible questions. You know, if I could fantasize. Okay, do you think if me, I really wanted to beat Usain Bolt at sprinting and I just was passionate and had a really great work ethic, do you think I could ever do that? Uh, I, I've seen you on stage and I've seen your physique. You don't strike me as lithe or lightweight enough to be a sprinter on any at any level. Um, so no, I'm going to say no. I don't think you could beat Usain Bolt in a race. Even if I... If... All right, I've got a good physique, but go on. Um, <laughs> you, you don't. You don't have. A, you don't have a sprinter's body. No, 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 no. I. Um, okay, so what what we're saying is something like athleticism. It, it, it doesn't matter how great your work ethic is. Um, it is something that you inherit. It's just it, there's something whether it's it's balance or the inner ear or muscle firing. Or just just your the 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 kind of lottery that you won at birth of the the weight distribution between muscles and bone and fat and so on. It, it's it's just something that you inherited. It is purely genetic. So you know these. You, you see, there is a I, I, athletes whose whose parents are athletes. I mean, it's just it, how can you deny the power of inherence if, if 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 something is as like athleticism, why would that not apply to intelligence or criminal uh, personality um, or, or or all sorts of things? Well, I mean, the only way, thing I would say is that yes, there might be a genetic component to certain uh, certain. Uh, attributes of the human animal yes if your parents are athletic and they have certain genes that you could pass on to your children that's undoubtedly true but you also have to have the resources the time especially the money these days let's be honest to make use of that natural talent and to refine it there's also the possibility that once you've refined the talent that you never beat your parents record 
I mean, the idea that you're that the offspring of your children, the offspring of a of a great parent, would be greater than the parent if they breed properly is not necessarily true. I used to know a, um, a young lady my age. I mean, she must be my age now. We've fallen out of contact. But, uh, her father was a professor of physics and her mother was, uh, was a professor of mathematics. They were both mm. taught at university, fiercely intelligent people. And with the best will in the world, she was thick. I mean, she was a nice girl. She was a lovely lady. You know, you know, she wasn't a criminal, uh, criminal coward by any stretch. Sure. But she was, she wasn't of, of. Well, in fact, no, I don't think thick is fair. I just think she was of average intelligence. She just sure. didn't have her parents' brilliance. So the idea that you could select breeding pairs and and perfect, uh, you know, develop human intelligence in that way or human athleticism, to use the earlier example, it's not predictable. It doesn't quite work like that. Maybe if it were that predictable, there'd be a stronger argument, but I just can't see it. It's not, it's not, well, I'm not saying it's 100% uh, by any chance, uh, by any stretch. And, and there are plenty of examples of, uh, you know, poor kind of downtrodden parents and they just, they just throw out a genius, you know, how, how could it happen? Yeah. And, and it is a kind of random, uh, uh, you know, collection or constellation of different genes. And, and, it, and it is kind of luck. I'm, I'm by no means saying that we can, you know, I, this is not some like Gattaca or kind of sci-fi thing that you can just like. That is the image I had in my head. Was that film? Person and, and so on. No, we're not, we're not even anywhere close to genetic engineering uh, on that level. But since the beginning of time, certainly since the ancient world, we have absolutely had conceptions of bloodline and inheritance. And it's by no means 100%. Maybe it's not even 50%, but it is powerful. And, it, you know, like I, I, I bet, I imagine that the daughter of the two professors, she might've been average. She's probably not thick to be, she probably was not mentally retarded and, and she's not a criminal. She's an average person, person kind of like the rest of us. Um, but the notion that inheritance doesn't play a factor in the generating of offspring, I, I just I don't know how that is how that is is tenable. We like to say these things, and, and that's interesting. You mentioned you're a member of the Conservative Party and so on. Um, you you hear a lot of bit a lot of this on the left of you know um, race is skin deep or something like that. They think it's just some kind of random skin color. Um, as if, you know, the, the a race isn't doesn't have much more to do. Skin color is just a kind of minor aspect of this. Um, race has to do with body size and the brain. All right, excuse me, I'm getting some yes, guys. Really, how was it? Okay, I'm getting reports on Harry Potter. Um, fascinating good. stuff. Good. This might be yes. a good time. We'll be done it's in great that it's great. minutes. This might be a good time. We'll jump into the Q&A. want to say, folks, okay. our guests are linked in the description. If you would like to hear more from our guests, you certainly can. And that includes at the podcast. Every debate from Modern Day Debate is uploaded to the podcast with our guest links in the description box there, too, in case you'd like to learn more about their views. This first question coming in from, do appreciate it, Alex Jones. I don't think it's that, Alex Jones. Says, does no, I shouldn't think so. He's, he's, he's busy right now, I should think. Yeah, yeah, he's got his hands full. But he said, they asked, does Richard Spencer believe that Bumble, let's see, that, that Bumble is a good way to find a life partner? I'm not sure if this is something to do with the, 
eugenics of dating or something else. Yes, this is. I heard this story. Apparently, someone has found a Bumble profile for Richard Spencer. Whether it's actually you, Richard, I don't know. Is it? Is it you? Were you on Bumble for a time? Yes, I I confirmed it. In fact, I I don't lie. Um, uh, oh, sorry, you're. you're we're kind of having a break. Oh, there, there we're back. Okay, we had a break. Yeah, I'm there. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I created a, a, a profile and um, it didn't lead to anything actually. But I, I remember I was actually traveling, and um, it was uh, I was traveling to Texas for for some things, and and so someone met me there, and then I I don't even know the exact story. I didn't read the article, but I did confirm it to the journalist. I mean, I don't care. I did nothing wrong, but I, I do think that it, it's it, it it did strike me as kind of rather fascinating because the 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 journalist was a kind of gatekeeper of let's keep Richard Spencer off Bumble, and it, it was almost a kind of reproductive policing uh going on you know like uh oh that guy might be uh you That's... know uh passing on his genes through this app we need to do every measure to make sure that horrifying individuals like richard spencer aren't <laughs> allowed in the world well yeah I, I was on bumble for about two or three months and it was also a disaster so i'm not you know i'm not i'm not not a big fan of the platform anyway that's Uh, it's not the only way i think it leads to non-reproductive sex is my impression all of these dating apps it it leads to a one night stand Uh, i I can't imagine yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised to be honest um, but there we go. Okay, yeah. well, that's a, just a, that was a, that was a bit of a side quest. Moving on, jumping in. Maybe <laughs> well, they're trying to troll me, and I just I say, hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a liar. I'll I'll admit my faults. This is made by Jim Bob. I think they're basically they say Richard isn't a woman taking responsibility for her actions at a bar, an expression of a better society. Well, is is this a deception? A woman just gets knocked up because she's drunk and meet some dude at a bar that might be what is that getting at that's all it said for the question is that what it's talking about well i i think under sober reflection we can make uh better decisions but i i would say this i i do think that there's a lot of bashing of females you know on the right but i i would say that women really are the most eugenic creatures um, women make you fight to reproduce. Women don't believe in, you know, 50-50 universal mandatory wife uh, or GF or something like that. Um, women really are the bottleneck fundamentally. And I think that's a very positive thing. Um, this is a grotesque example, but I, I really love it. I was watching a David Attenborough uh, documentary actually with with my kids. I love David Attenborough. I think he's an amazing guy. He uh, articulates things differently, but basically agrees with what I've said previously. Uh, but uh, it was these bees, and um, there was this uh, uh, these there. It was the mating of bees in Africa, and it was the most kind of grotesque example of the bottleneck um, that. That that exist in in the population, and that is ultimately eugenic and and positive. So there would be a big field of bees, and the female bees would kind of present themselves uh, to for mating, and all of the males would descend on these bees, and they would engage in this brutal, 
death orgy where the me- the male bees are fighting against one another and and tearing off limbs and wings and so on and just a few male bees maybe like 2 to 5% actually get to mate but even while they're mating they're getting torn apart by the men and it's this amazing crucible this just struggle for the future and only the strong survive. And it makes sure that this is the greatest bee population possible, the struggle. And uh, the the females obviously are participating in that. They only want the top 1%. And so the, the female sex really is, they, they are inherently eugenic. They're gonna make you fight for it. They're gonna go after men who are tall, uh, muscular, intelligent, cool, some Sometimes they make bad decisions and they go after someone who's badass, like the the dude who's probably a psychopath with a leather jacket who has a motorcycle and, and so on. You know, nobody's perfect, but they are really the eugenic sex. It's really men who either want to just spread their seed far and wide, uh, you know, kind of a natural tendency we have, or the kind of resentful men who want to, you know, mandatory monogamy or something like that. But it's actually the females who are most eugenic. We'll jump into the next one. Can I? Well, no, I was going to say, can I? Can I respond to that, James? Is that all right? Super short short and pithy because we spent a lot of time on this one. Okay. Yeah, no, sure. Um, okay, so the idea of survival of the fittest, um, Charles Darwin, while he was examining the natural world, never intended his philosophy or his, his, his evolutionary theory to be applied to human society. Social Darwinism is something that was taken and built based on his work. Even Richard Dawkins, who's often called Darwin's Rottweiler, um, it freely admits that while Darwinian, the, the origin of species by means of natural selection, is how the natural world operates, it doesn't mean that it should be applied to uh, human society. There is a division there. Again, that's just a random rebuttal there. Um, James okay. wants to move on. I so will respond to that because I could, I could go on for a minute, but Dawkins is a coward, even though I kind of like it. This uh, one from yeah. Yehuda Fingelstein says, what is Richard Spencer's TikTok handle? Um, I, I, I am only following one person. <laughs> uh, I'm opening TikTok here. Both of our guests are linked. Uh, folks, want to remind you. Richard Spencer underscore. And this one coming in from made by Jim Bob says intelligent societies can be evil though, Richard. Mm-hmm. This is one that from- a criticism? Yeah, I mean- well, I mean, this is one of the things that intelligence is not only is intelligence not a survival trait, because most species on the planet are not clever. They don't they don't create the high art. They're not capable of highly complex, abstract thought. But um, yeah, it is possible for intelligent people to be antisocial or just downright wicked in by some moral code. That's why selecting for intelligence. Well, you know, intelligence is, has its advantages. It's not the only characteristic that one needs to needs to consider if one is thinking about creating an ideal society that would be my argument okay just one coming in from go away says intelligence is not beneficial for humans high iq is detrimental to reproduction your preference for it is irrelevant we will never get smarter s-o-z what does that mean soz sorry i think it's sorry in text speak gotcha thank you you broke um, up I don't real know quickly. If... We'll never become more. What what is he saying? I think they might be saying like if we select for intelligence, it would 
They say intelligence is not beneficial for humans. High IQ is actually instead detrimental to reproduction. Your preference for it is irrelevant. We will never get smarter. So I think they're saying that even if, if we do select for intelligence, that society will decline in the sense that there will be less reproduction, which is, I think they're saying that's a bad thing, that there's less. That's true in a way now. I mean, you know, there, there is an inverse relation, more or less major exceptions between um, IQ and fertility. That was not at all the case previously in our history. Um, the, the higher classes, more intelligent people were absolutely outbreeding the lower classes. Um, this kind of big change occurred with the 19th century and industrial revolution. You got it. This and that can be actually proven pretty definitively, but go ahead. And this one from Mike says, Richard, wouldn't laws against abortion shape the behaviors of people? Namely, wouldn't they be less likely to get abortions? I think there's, and maybe, maybe they're also saying by extension, maybe be less likely to uh, be promiscuous. Right. Yeah. I, there, there are a lot of interesting things in there. I mean, obviously, if, if contraception's available, if abortion's available, that's going to incentivize being promiscuous. I, I get it. It's very interesting uh, that you know, that's not exactly happening. Sex at a rather depressing rate. Um, And so I I think it actually is a lot more complicated than that. But keep in mind, if you're going, you can't have it both ways. The same laws that are going to supposedly inspire a more responsible Christian society um, are also going to benefit people who break those rules, that is the the rapist and criminal types. And you're going to have to say to the face of a teenage girl who was raped, um, sorry, uh, you know, you're going to have to have this child. So there, there's kind of both sides. I, I think it's more complicated than that, even though I, I admit your basic logic seems sound, but it's 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 obviously more complicated than that. This one from Mars. I think this is for you, Kendon. First one says, how do you support the claim that life is sacred? I, I don't think I've ever used that phrase, life is sacred. I'm not, a, believe it or not, and this might surprise Richard, I'm not a religious person. I don't, I don't have, uh, I'm not a believer. I don't believe in God or the soul or anything like that. I, I'd like there to be one. Well, I, I believe I have. a Christian. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose I'm a Christian atheist. If such yeah. a th- if such a creature exists, if that if you can bear the contradiction, I was raised. My my mother tried to raise us Methodist. It didn't take. Um, obviously, we have prayer in school, unlike in the United States. Um, I read mm-hmm. a lot of religious philosophy, theology. I do have. I have internal. I have internalized a lot of these arguments, but I appreciate them as a secular. As I, I think I hope I'm a secular thinker, but you know, as somebody, I could see there's some merit in a lot of these arguments, even if the metaphysical underpinnings uh, don't ring true for me. So again, that might be a flaw in my logic, but yeah, I don't think life, life being sacred. Uh, I just think it's wise to hold life to a higher value. That's all. And if that, if there are inconsistencies in my arguments, then I would, I would, would welcome people to bring those out and then i'd have to be forced to confront them but yeah life is sacred no because i'm not a religious person i wouldn't use that phrase you got it 
two seconds. I've got a, a frozen screen here and it, it's about to clear up. But I want to say, folks, our guests are linked in the description. In the meantime, while I wait to get to this next question is I've got a frozen screen here. You can find their links at the podcast as well. If you're listening to this debate there, we put every guest links in the description box there too. This one coming in from Yehuda Finkelstein says, Richard Lauren, let me know if I pronounce this right. It's the Colorado, I think she's a house rep. Lauren Bo, is it Bobert? Is the <laughs> Lauren Bobert, but it's kind of Bobert. funny to say. They say is, is the unacknowledged daughter of the '80s pro wrestler Stan Lane. I checked Wikipedia. That's a little bit uh, is alleged. They say is Bobert the type of person that made you pro-choice? Yeah, kind of. I'm sorry, you you broke up there uh, for a moment. She's the unacknowledged daughter of whom? The '80s pro wrestler Stan Lane. Not a. I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. I haven't heard of them, so I don't think they're like that big, but they are uh -huh. a Wikipedia page. And allegedly she is his unacknowledged daughter, although a paternity test uh, also found that that didn't seem to be evidence for that. But nonetheless, they say granting it, is Bobert the type of person that made you pro-choice? Yeah, uh, yeah, to a degree. I mean, I, I don't want to make it uh, too personal, um, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of, I I've suggested this with my, uh, on my, um, podcast or video podcast with Ed Dutton. I, I think there's a kind of unconscious will to survival among people like Bobert that they, they kind of recognize on some secret level that they're the types who would be eliminated. And so they're, they're kind of pursuing their own strategy by being pro-life kind of, you know, everyone gets in, you know, the club or something. I, I know that sounds kind of extremely mean to say, but. Gotcha. And then this one coming in from incapacitating strike says, I'm glad Richard has the quote moral courage to state that he's willing to achieve his political goals on, let's see, on abortion. Uh, they say a mountain of dead children. So more of a <laughs> statement than a question. If you want to respond Richard, we'll give you a chance. No. You got it. Go away, right. says Downs people, I think they mean Down syndrome people, don't reproduce genes for Downs syndrome. Uh, Downs syndrome are carried through non-Down syndrome people. Aborting them means their parents have more reproductive kids with bad genes. Okay. Well, yeah, so because, interesting. Well, because Down syndrome is a random mutation. It's something that occurs naturally and, yes. and entirely randomly. It's not like, oh, well, I, you know, I come from a long line of people with Down syndrome. That's not how it works. So one could argue that it's almost impossible to predict in advance whether a child would have Down. It's incredibly rare, you know, as a, a, a genetic mutation. But it's impossible to predict in advance whether your child, your first child, for example, would have it. You know, you just have to sort of lump right. them and they do the scans or they test the amniotic fluid. You know. But when they're here, they they are a major burden to society and and, and kind of a burden to themselves in that sense. But I, I, I the, the the questioner is absolutely correct when he says this one from Chess one one nine says, "Are we debating abortion or eugenics?" It seems like Richard is using it to argue for eugenics. Or if I understand right, would it be fair to say, Richard, that you're you're making a case for the pro-choice side? You could say an indirect kind of argument, but nonetheless a like an argument for yes yeah, so abortion is just a component of a larger eugenic vision yes i see and then k max mcdonald says when china reached over 1 billion people they had their solution to this i take it richard and kendon would differ on how to deal with this problem how does a country address overpopulation 
You can take that first. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, uh, I, maybe I shouldn't um, slag off China because I'm famous on TikTok, which is the worst kind of famous. And TikTok is, of course, a Chinese <laughs> app. And uh, yeah. and I believe, and I believe, and I believe all the conspiracy theories about TikTok. Incidentally, it is a Chinese spyware and all that. I do, I do believe this fundamentally. However, the 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 idea that you know the Chinese response to its popular problem of overpopulation was brutal, dictatorial, authoritarian. The idea that China is a model state in any capacity is is horrifying. Um, you know, the social credit system, the uh, constant surveillance, the lack of privacy, uh, and things like that. Yes, there were over a billion people in China, but the downside of their one-child policy, because again, it's it's now expanded to two children. I believe they've actually they've actually repealed the one-child mm-hmm. policy. You can now have two kids. Is the the case of gender side? Because what they've done is they've left. If you ha- if you accidentally fall pregnant, you can go to the government for an abortion. But because the Chinese culture is fiercely patriarchal, um, having a daughter is expensive because you've got to pay for the dowry for the wedding and things like that. So they're now actually suffering. They might actually suffer a population crisis because their abortion policy has wiped out too many baby girls so right. it's yeah it's not it's not a credible solution to the problem even if you're even if you want to manage the population on that level yeah the chinese response has ultimately failed to some degree if richard wants to go on that i don't know what what is the 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 solution to overpopulation correct I, the- I i i i do it's a complicated question because every population on the planet to a lesser degree sub-saharan africa but more or less every population on the planet is undergoing a fertility decline and as i mentioned earlier the third world is actually going through that fertility decline at a faster rate than did the united states for example during its history so modernity is hitting them hard and it's hitting them fast. So we will be undergoing a population reduction worldwide due to a whole host of factors, abortion being one, contraception being much more important than abortion. Um, and as well, just the horrors of modernity of, you know, living in your home, you know, masturbating to a TikTok video as opposed to meeting a human being. <laughs> Those are also profoundly important. Um, so I, I, I do think that the, the the overpopulation crisis is kind of correcting it itself. I, I think the bigger question is kind of like, how are we going to deal with this and how are we going to think about it and understand it? Are we going to, you know, fan, uh, fanatically try to reverse it or, or try to maintain the current trajectory that we're on? Or are we going to kind of use that as an opportunity to go on a very different path? You got it. There's one coming in from, do appreciate it. Chess 119 says, Richard, you can clarify if you'd like in terms of whether, because this wasn't explicitly stated in the debate, but we'll give you a chance whether or not they're uh, correct. They say, would you support eugenics if it was an Anglo-Saxon Protestants who were prohibited from procreation? If not, then why is it just for other groups? (laughs) Eugenics really isn't a a matter of race, although I I guess that that is a component to it to, to some extent but it's it's not the primary component the primary component to it um eugenics would involve all people all people could be bettered through eugenics and i i guess you could say it's it's maybe more of a class issue than than a race issue there would be no 
real eugenics program that anyone would support or want that would say, let's kill all wasp uh, or something like that. Um, it, it would be more about all populations, um, you know, breeding towards higher types, um, but also kind of recognizing the fact that society is multi-layered and there, you know, there, there's going to be, there's certainly a need for people to do uh, work that is less cognitively demanding. Um, but it's it's not just a matter of like eliminating a group. I mean, that that is a genocide, what that person is describing. That is not what I am advocating for. Eugenics is a very different concept than genocide. Although, granted, ever since the, really the 1930s, but certainly ever since the, the Second World War, those two things have kind of been muddled together. You got this one from Plummy. O 005 says, Richard, is your ideal world the society in quote, a brave new world, unquote. <laughs> no, I think the brave new world is a society that we're living in now. A brave new world is uh, very different than, say, 1984. I, I always, I remember having this conversation when I was about 19 in college, and I said, I don't fear 1984. I fear a brave new world. A brave new world is a vision of society where, where we are heavily using narcotics and we're using almost sex you know, as a, almost a sex is a sex becomes almost masturbation in that sense. You go to the feelies and you kind of get off. I think that's what we are. That's where we are now. People are sitting in front of their computers, watching high definition, hardcore pornography and masturbating and having a sexual experience that is in fact more intense and in a, in a horrible way, more satisfying than, you know, having a girlfriend and engaging in kind of the awkward all elbows uh love making that is the reality uh in this world we all know it's kind of true uh it can be awkward but when they experience this hyper reality on the internet it's never awkward it's always this wildly intense experience so i i think we are living in a kind of brave new world society um and we need to revolt against it and and go down a completely different path you got it. This one from Hake says, John R. Lott Jr. showed out of wedlock births went up after Roe. Sure uh, that might very well be true. I don't fully trust that scholar. He's he's made some very incorrect claims on gun control, but I that very well might might be true. Uh, but whether the Roe decision caused that. Um, is is also questionable. I mean, d divorce is actually declining at the current at at the moment because people are getting married less often. Um, sex is declining. Abortion is declining. This is another kind of odd thing about the current state of affairs. So you need to. There there are a lot of things that can be correlated, um, but aren't necessarily caused. Um, I do probably think, to be fair, that there probably is a causal element to abortion. Abortion kind of incentivize, you could say incentivized from promiscuity. But again, the, the just the weird thing about the current world is that that's not happening. People are less promiscuous as a whole. They're having less sex. They're, they're getting married less often. They're having less abortions. It's... You got it. This one from... Bizarre. Made by Jim Bob says, Richard... Do you know how to pump your septic tank? Uh, they, in chat, tried to explain, I think that they're saying that 
people such as like plumbers aren't desired in your kind of ideal world. And I think this is a way of uh, kind of giving pushback. I didn't say that. And I actually did mention, perhaps I should have put more emphasis on it. Um, I, I don't want to breed a population of highly neurotic uh philosophy majors. I think if we ever had such a society, everyone would be hanging out at a coffee shop discussing Heidegger and no one would be pumping the septic tank. I basically agree that agree with that. I think society does need to have multi layers. Um, that being said, uh, there is no good reason to breed for lower intelligence or to breed for proneness towards, towards obesity or to breed for heart disease, to breed, to maintain uh, um, uh, uh, genetic uh, illnesses uh, in the population. There's no good reason to do that, but there are good reasons to keep, you know, that the, the society is multi-layered and they're going to be plumbers and they're going to be philosophy students. That's good. You got it. And that looks to be it. So I want to say folks, Oh wait, hold on. Maybe there's like kind of a last little burst of questions. Uh, this one from Hunter P says criminality and abortion are directly correlated. Statistically, states that criminalize abortion will have a higher rate of crime. We've known this. Yeah, that's usually because the people who tend to have abortions tend to live in low income areas, poor areas, work, you know, and therefore people turn to crime. It's usually petty crime. You'll find that the areas where abortion is difficult or illegal, the crimes you're talking about, it's not like mass murder, it's not gang rape, it's you know, car thief, it's carjacking, it's, you know, robbing old ladies of their handbags. Still unacceptable, but it's petty theft. It's petty crimes rather than, well, I don't know, is carjacking a petty crime? I don't know. But yeah, it's a very low level. Um, if you could address the material needs, a lot of these people wouldn't be breaking the law. You're never going to eradicate crime from a, an anti-abortion area. I mean, that's not what I'm arguing. But yes, the idea that the, these areas are riddled with criminals purely because the the crime gene is allowed to spread through the population. Uh, I don't buy it. You got it. This is Karatikos Eustace says, has Richard seen the bit by academic agent called Maddow or Spencer? Yes, I, 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 I'm not sure I've seen the whole thing. I, I've seen the bit. I think that's a, a real misunderstanding of me. It's, it's looking at, you know, um, basic, uh, you know, I voted for Joe Biden, you know, whatever. And and it's kind of like, oh, is this, is this Spencer matter? Or I think J6 was a horrible thing and, uh, you know, whatever. It's it's looking at kind of superficial issues and seeing that I align with um, Maddow. <laughs> it's, you know, kind of funny, but I think very shallow. It also comes from a, a kind of politicized or uh, um, polarized environment where, you're, people are so terrified of thinking that like the left might be right about something, you know, it's like, uh, it, and it goes down to kind of like unique or, or really, it goes down to a really small granule level of like, do you like a movie that Rachel Maddow liked or something? Uh, it's just, it's just kind of bizarre. I think you can actually be an open-minded, thoughtful person and learn things from the left and from leftist thinkers. You guys, and yeah. Okay. Sorry. This one, I always ramble. <laughs> no worries. Hunter P asks or says criminality and abortions are directly core. Got that one. Plummy 005 says the idea that birth rate is completely correlated with intelligence is only half true. The birth rate is above replacement level for those making below $30,000 a year and those above 
$250,000 a year as well. Yes. Now, obviously, the people making more than a quarter million dollars a year is a much smaller population, but that is true. I say this to Ed a lot, and he, yeah, he'll, he'll, you know, oh, the dad, Ed is, yes, but I, I totally agree. Also, one thing that he's, um, that Ed Dutton has, has looked into is that if you're highly intelligent, but you have a certain kind of religious instinct or kind of right wing instinct, you are more likely to have children. Uh, so it really is kind of left-wing liberalism plus high IQ and education that is just this sterilization uh, factory. Um, but yeah, it, it is more complicated. But yeah, it's interesting, a kind of high-low question where people who are doing really well are breeding at um, replacement levels. And then people who you know can barely come up with 10 bucks to buy a, a hamburger um, are also breeding it at high levels. It's interesting. You got it. This one coming in from Urbanite says, question for both. When we bury family members' bodies, are they still human despite no longer being conscious? Mm. Yeah. They're human. I mean, they're dead human beings, but they're still human beings. They don't turn into ligibas or orangutans or lampposts. They're still human. They're still just human corpses. I don't... Yeah. I'm not I, sure. I think, I think the... the being, a, being alive or dead is kind of the operative quality to them, not yeah, the, the fact they're no longer sucking. <laughs> yeah, the fact that they no longer suck down oxygen. It means they haven't changed their species. It's, that's not how it works. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that was meant to be a profound question, but I think it's just been rumbled. Um, never mind. This one from Hunter P. These are the last two folks. We gotta we gotta close it up. We're a bit over time already. Hunter P. says robbing an old lady with a hammer is petty crime. Ha ha ha. I think that's for you, Kendon. Well, yeah, but petty in a legal sense means it's small scale. I mean, if you're talking about like, I don't know, um, like drug trafficking, that's not a petty crime because it involves a network of hundreds of if not thousands of people. So that's a grand, that's a federal offence. But petty, mm -hmm. if it's like localised, it's very small, it's intimate, an intimate crime, then that's that's considered petty. Um, yeah, so obviously it's still horrible for the old lady who gets smacked in the head with a hammer. I'm not arguing that point. But yeah, it's a legal, I mean, maybe it's not the legal, maybe I'm a using the legal definition but yeah it's, it's small scale is what i mean you got it the shoplifters one. of the world unite yeah exactly this one from last one from mars says what outside of preference could say that life is something that quote unquote should be protected i think they're kind of getting at the uh, could you repeat that i think they're uh, they said what outside of preference could say that life being protected is a should or something that should be done i think they're kind of getting like how do we get an ought from an is regarding other than just preference regarding the, the claim that life should be protected. Well, I don't, I don't say that one could argue, why should we do anything? You know, why should Richard maintain his vision of the future? You know, it's a question of what you value, what feels right to you. I mean, to going back to the opening statement at the beginning, like the idea that reason is limited, you know, we do have feelings, we do have tastes and preferences. So, I take one view, Richard takes another view. Um, I don't think we can discern what should be done based entirely on rational means. Maybe there is some, there's some truth to that. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't I do, know. I don't believe really in free will as it's conceived of by people that we're a rational calculator that makes determinations. Uh, I think I'm, I'm driven by forces outside of my control. 
you could say. Uh, there, there's just something about me that wants this. And it's it's not something that I really kind of decide upon. Um, and I, I think all, all human beings are, are like that. We're, we're kind of part of a, of a force. You got it. Want to say, folks, our guests are linked in the description if you'd like to hear more about their views. And hope you felt welcome at Modern Day Debate. We're a neutral channel hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. With that, one last thank you to our guests, Richard and Kendon. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Pleasure for was me. mine. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kendon. I'll, I'll continue to watch your uh, TikTok videos. You're the only no, person I like follow. Oh well, I was going to say I mean, you, you might not like all, you might not agree with all of them, but I would. I, I, if you could stand to be in my presence again, I would love to debate you again on another topic if you fancy such a thing. Well, if I'm ever allowed back in the United Kingdom, uh, we can have a person-to-person -person, uh, debate. You should go bring that up with the Conservative Party that you're a member of. I don't think I have that kind of sway. But yeah, if you ever fancy like doing, if you ever fancy going on modern day debate again, I'm, I'm always ready and willing. I'm down as well. Thank you both, cool. gentlemen. And I'll be back in just a moment, folks, with a post-credit scene letting you know about upcoming debates. So stick around for that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.